and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin. And from Indianapolis, I am Sean. Before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and follow us on social media under the username at Caption Life. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, you name it, we're probably on it. You can also find out more information and past episodes at thecaptionlife.com. That's right. So uh, happy new year to all of our listeners. Happy new year to you too, Sean. Yeah, you too. This episode will be will be dropping on the 1st of January, 2022. This ushers in year three of the caption life. That's right. It's three insane, years. <laughs> it's, in, it's insane that yeah. uh, we have 51. We have 51 episodes. This is our 51st episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go in. I didn't have time to do this. I wanted to go in and like look at like we've got 51 episodes. How many like famous things from pop culture do, does the caption life have more episodes than? Right. <laughs> um, like we ha- we definitely have more episodes. Uh, uh, we have more episodes than Firefly. We didn't get canceled after 12. <laughs> That's true. Although, I mean, can podcasts really get canceled, you know, like no. <laughs> in the same way? It's either it's either one of two things happens. Either the world has decided that they've had enough of us or we've had we decide that we've had enough of each other. <laughs> that would be the end of it. Right. But we are uh, we are excited to be here for year three. We're excited about what the new year brings. Uh, but before we look into our crystal ball to see what the future holds, we want to look back on all the hallmarks of pop culture that were brought to us in 2021. So we've decided to do a year in review show and talk about some of our favorite and least favorite things about this past year. Uh, and I, I say least favorite and not worst. I, I thought long <laughs> and hard about this because um, like all art is subjective and right. I, I don't want to say that anything is bad. It's just not my favorite. I think that's the angle that we're going to take um, because I think too often people get bogged down or focused on like how, how they hate something. It's the worst. Right. Although this episode is called best and worst of 2021, <laughs> but, but we'll just argue that it's the, uh, it's just the, the lengthiness of the title. It's just we made yeah, the decision yeah, yeah. on that just to make it shorter as opposed to... That was to, for graphic design purposes. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we've got six categories that Sean and I are going to be giving our winners, and I guess kind of losers, uh, and as well as sharing some opinions that some of you guys gave us on social media. Uh, these categories are the favorite and least favorite comic book movie, the favorite mm-hmm. and least favorite non-comic book movie, the favorite and least favorite TV show, Favorite and least favorite comic book or graphic novel. Favorite WTF moment of 2021. <laughs> and then uh, favorite thing that you're thing that you're most looking forward to in 2022. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kick this off with our favorite uh, comic book movie of 2021. We're going to kind of hit this stuff fast and furious, which that also will show up on the list somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I we're think gonna... I know where that's falling at now. <laughs> Uh, so here's my favorite. My favorite uh, comic book movie of 2021 was a late entry, and it happens to be Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yep. Uh, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to make sure that we waited until after I saw that saw the movie to record this podcast because I felt like it deserved a chance to be on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to see it about a week ago, and I was completely blown away with um, just the story. Um, you know, the surprises along the way and just the way everything developed, the way that it worked out. Um, but also just like the, the nostalgic nature of, of bringing certain heroes and villains back. Um, it was, it was my favorite Spider-Man movie so far of the, I guess now we're up to eight Spider-Man movies. Uh, but, but it also included some of the older Spider-Men. So, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, um, but <laughs> yeah, now. it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a really, really great and fun time at the movies. And, um, I, I liked the fact that the ending of the film kind of set Peter up for, uh, a, a future that we don't know much about. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked that that they kind of went back to the way they started with the post credit scenes and actually gave us a teaser for Doctor Strange in the in the post credit scenes. Right. Uh, right. That's one. We've got five months, like four and a half, <laughs> five months before the next taste of Marvel. And and uh, but, well, it was but supposed it to be sooner than that, but it got pushed back because yeah. of the Batman movie. So yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's what I loved. Uh, I, I loved uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and now they're uh, pushing to get it nominated for an Academy Award for the film as well, too. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. We did a review episode of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and uh, it, it was a fantastic movie. And I will say that the movie is a fantastic film, but it also it, it also stands on the fact that it's a buildup from the whole universe and the whole history of the Spider-Man films, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I still love the movie. I think it's one of the best ones we see in the MCU. But for me, I was trying to think of a movie that probably stands on its own without having some of that context and thinking about what would be a great comic book movie that didn't have that history. And and I will say this, I went and saw the movie with my sister-in-law and some of her uh, friends and her brothers who uh, some of them have not kept up with the Marvel movies or the Spider-Man movies. Like they watched, you know, some of the original ones back in the early 2000s, like a long time ago and are somewhat familiar with it. But they did say they watched and they felt like they kept up with it for the most part. There were some things I had explained to them, um, but for the most part, they felt like they weren't really too lost because they still were able to kind of understand that context because they yeah. grew up with that. But, you know, for someone like maybe like my sister who doesn't like superhero movies, if she went in and, and watched this, she'd be like, I don't get it and would be completely lost with it. So. Right. Um, so for me, I wanted to pick something that probably stood really well on its own without that kind of background and history. And for me, it's Sung Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Right. And I, I love this movie because it's a new character that we haven't seen in popular culture at all for the longest time. Like if you were a Marvel Comics fan and were a fan of the character from the comics, then you probably knew a lot about him. But for the majority of the audience out there, this is the first introduction we get from Shang-Chi. Seemingly, you did a great job of portraying this character. And I think the cinematography and the writing and all the actors and the directors involved just did a fantastic job with this because I felt like every time I watched a movie, I picked up something that I didn't pick up before that just added more of the layers that made it a great film Right, that brought in a lot of inspiration from Asian culture and just a lot of inspiration from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you just were able to pick up from a lot of different little things that on its you know hinges at first seem like just kind of like a small detail, but then when you start looking at it from different parts of the movie, I thought that every time you see it, you can pick up something new and it was just it was just a great film in terms of cinematography as well too like the fight scenes that when we had with his future wife and then with his son was not just a fight scene but it was so beautifully choreographed that was also like a dance as well too and I thought they just did a fantastic job of interweaving just a lot of different types of cultural references and the best parts of things that we really enjoy about movies from a lot of different genres into this so I I really enjoyed that and that's going to be my favorite one for 2021 and that was a close number two for me. And I'll be honest and say that the it was a great movie. It's a very, very fun movie. Mm-hmm. And if we're being fair, the difference between Shang-Chi and Spider-Man is the is the fan service that they did right. in in Spider-Man. It's right. just it's got that that extra little it factor mm-hmm. that that you you didn't have introducing a new character like Shang-Chi. Right. Um so what were some of the responses that we had from uh listeners on the web? There, buddy. Yeah, so we asked all of our listeners what would their favorite comic book movie from this year. And here are some of the responses that we got is, um, along with you, we had Spider-Man No Way Home from, on Twitter, username at the MSY Librarian. And Jacob Bartlett, who was a guest on this show from the Circle City Ghostbusters, his username is at Lion Hartley on Twitter as well, too. They both said Spider-Man No Way Home was their favorite for the year. Um, on Instagram, Ronell Whitaker, uh, his username is the comic book teacher. <laughs> he said the Suicide Squad, and then he put in parentheses, oddly enough, which I took that to mean that he wasn't expecting it to be his favorite. <laughs> or maybe that he's the teacher. He's a teacher. And so, but listen, I'm a teacher. Right. I, and I love the Suicide Squad movie. So yeah. I, yeah. It was, I thought it was exceptionally well done. Mm-hmm. It probably would rank number three for me um, ahead of the other two Marvel entries. Right. Um, but it was a, it was a very different, different kind of movie. Um, and I just I love those movies because of the way that they 
the characters. I mean, it's a James Gunn movie, so the the banter and the go between between the characters is just is top notch there. So right. I really enjoyed that one too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Me personally, I enjoyed it too. I had some criticisms of it, but I thought it was really well done. And and I'll be honest, I think James Gunn is just you know going to be that director that all that Marvel and DC is going to want to keep working with because he does crank out just great films for superhero Mm -hmm. genre. So, um, my colleague over at comic watch, Kevin Rossi, his Instagram, uh, username is Kevy Rossi, R O S S I. He also said the suicide squad. And then our friend on Instagram, uh, Chris, his username is friendly neighborhood CT. His favorite movie for the year was Black Widow. So those are all great movies, and I I can't really argue. Um, right, you know, <laughs> they those, shouldn't be on the list of those at all. They're good. Up on my least favorite, and listen, right when we jump into the least favorite comic book movies, I'm going to cheat. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm okay. going to cheat because this movie that I'm going to mention was not released in 2020. It was, I mean, 2021. It was released at the very end of um, of 2020, but I didn't watch it until the first of the year. And I'm okay. going to say, I'm going to say it counts because wonder <laughs> woman, 1984 was the wor- one of the worst movies that I've seen uh, all year, but it was definitely the worst comic book movie that it, I saw it came in out, 2021. It came out in 2020. I thought it came out like January, 2021. No, it came out on Christmas day on, on HBO max. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. Okay. That see, that's why I thought it was 2021. Cause it was so late in the year. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But I mean, there were just so many things, so many things wrong with it. Um, <laughs> Gal Gadot is amazing, but she can't. Right. She couldn't save it. And um, it's it's actually uh, like second on my WTF moment. Also because <laughs> uh, and the other the, the one that I'll pick and I'll get into it. But it's like that movie was delayed several times. It was, and it was still so bad. Yeah, like well, I, I, they had they had time to go back and and fix it. It's like yeah, it's like having a project due and then there's a snow day. Or yeah. like, you know, like a, a bad weather day. So school gets canceled and you've got that one extra day to, to like zhuzh it up. Right. And they didn't do that. And it frustrates me. Yeah. Well, and it, was, it was really weird, too, because it was the same director. I think the same writers and same cast and everything. And the first movie was great. So it just made you wonder, like, what happened to this movie that they just dropped the ball really bad on this. Right. So I'm yeah. starting to feel like the DC extended universe like doesn't exist. Wonder Woman is a standalone film. Nothing else. <laughs> Maybe Shazam. Right. But it's I not, know. some of that stuff just doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and I feel like DC is trying their best to try to like reboot it, but they're still trying to figure out how they want to reboot it, but they can't just like stop mm-hmm. and reset everything. So I'll be curious to see what they do with the flash movie. Cause I feel like that's going to, that's supposed to be something along the lines of, like a multiverse film, like what we'll get in um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Correct. of Madness. I think that's what they're probably setting it up for. So I'm really interested to see how they do that. But I don't think DC has quite figured out what they're going to do yet in terms of trying to make this make sense and make it better and, and replicate you know, what Marvel's been able to do under Kevin Feige. So uh, yeah. for me, my least favorite comic book movie of 2021, and I know I'll get some backlash for this is Venom. Let there be carnage because I just felt like that was just a terrible movie from a cinematography and from a screenwriting point of view that it was definitely rushed in a lot of different ways that they just jumped from point to point. I felt like Woody Harrelson did a great job when he did a great job, but then there was parts or scenes where it just kind of fell flat. And I don't know if that was like the writing or if he just wasn't sure how to go about it, but I felt like it was only an hour and a half, which a lot of people was worried about that. And I can understand the worry about that now because it just didn't do a good enough job to make it a good movie. And I'll be honest, when I watched Venom one, like I was okay with the first Venom movie. Like I was a great fan of it, but I didn't think it was a terrible movie either. It was just more of like, eh, I just, I've never been particularly interested in Venom, but I thought it did all right. And, and I will say that Tom Hardy, I thought did a fantastic job of portraying Eddie Brock and replicating what it's like to have a voice live inside your head and portray that on the screen. I think they did a great job with that, but at the same time, um, there was just a lot of parts that just fell flat for me. Like I think there were some things that were trying to be humorous about and it just never really landed. And like I said, there was just a lot of 
holes and a lot of things to just rush. And for me, I think if a film is being talked about more for the mid credit scene than for the film itself, that tells you how terrible the movie is, in my opinion. So, um, so yeah, so that made the list for me is Venom Let There Be Carnage. I guess technically Venom Let There Be Carnage could have been my worst too because I didn't even see it. <laughs> well, I, if you haven't seen it, then you can't rate it, right? And that's true, but <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't, I don't plan to see it. Like I, I don't think that Venom's gonna or that Venom is gonna end up in the MCU, and I think it's kind of a, an afterthought. And I watched the first one and wasn't like it couldn't hold my attention, and right, I just going into it, I was like, this looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so and spoiler alert, I mean, for Spider-Man No Way Home, I think you're right. He's not going to stay in the MCU. I don't think they're going to have any intention of bringing him back. I think no. that universe separation is going to stay separated at least for a while. Um, but I just don't think they're going to bring him back. And, and I'll be honest, I suspected that that's what they were going to do in Spider-Man No Way Home, because everybody was speculating that there was going to be a Sinister Six movie. Mm hmm. And that Venom was going to be the sixth person. I was like, that just seems like that's going to be really odd for me, especially with a lot of the other rumors of what this movie is supposed to be about. And so I had said the best I could think of is he'll probably show up as a mid credit scene. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think it made a lot of sense to do it that way. And it makes sense. Why? Because I think they wanted to introduce Venom and that's how they're going to do that right now. So, yeah, I read an interview or read a story the other day, uh, and this will tie this all together about how um, I can't remember if it was Amy Pascal or if it was Victoria Alonso, the producers of Spider-Man mm -hmm. that when they met with Kevin Feige and asked him to get involved with like making the, the, the new Spider-Man trilogy and his response to it is like, the only way we know how to do it is if you just let us make it for you. Right. And apparently one of them threw a sandwich at him. <laughs> like they were offended, but you, I'm going to be honest with you. You can tell the difference between like, uh, an MCU movie and like the, like the bargain bin, um, stuff that other companies are putting out. Right. And, and unfortunately for Venom, that's one of, that's one of the things It just doesn't have the same creative, um, I don't, I don't know what the word is. Like it just doesn't have the same pop. Right. That those other movies, this, uh, the MCU movies, because I'm like Black Widow to me wasn't exceptional. Eternals was was decent, but mm -hmm. but I would watch either one of those again before I watched Venom because right. I just I don't have any expectations for it. Right. Well, and I agree with you because I think that's probably what they might be doing here now that we've seen Spider-Man No Way Home is that they might be setting it up to where Marvel Studios might just be going with making Tom Holland, the MCU Spider-Man and they're doing more control of it. And so maybe it's one of those things where like Sony is leasing that character back to Marvel for that particular character. But then all the other stuff is still owned by Sony that they can create their new Spider-Man if they wanted to like in a different universe or something like that. Cause I think it's, it's really odd that Sony is putting a lot of stock into taking the villains of Spider-Man and trying to make them into like anti-heroes or, Un misunderstood villains in a mm -hmm. sense because Venom was never like that. Uh, I feel like Morbius wasn't really like that from what I've been told. You know, he was always a, a villain, yeah. which that's going to be interesting to watch, especially with everything that I we've seen like in the Morbius trailers. This is like a lame duck movie. Yeah. So, so uh, unfortunately I, for Jared Leto and like, I mean, it looks good. Like the, like the, the production value looks better than Venom does. Right. Um, but it just seems like that's a one and done. It's an afterthought at this point. Yeah. Well, I, and I think what they're probably going to try to do is just, you know, just put all their stock into creating some sort of spider verse universe. And who knows what that's going to look like. I'm just really surprised that they haven't really tried to take advantage of doing like a spider woman and silk movie or something like that, because they have a lot of, heroes in the Spider-Man world. And maybe there's something with the contract that said, because those characters may have been not Spider-Woman, but maybe Silk. I don't know when they were created, mm -hmm. but maybe because they were created after that contract was, was negotiated that they can't do those characters. But I think they have enough of superheroes. I mean, even Miles Morales, though Miles Morales was created like relatively recently and they have mm -hmm. access to that. So I feel like they have a lot of heroes they could pull in to the Spider-Man universe and they just haven't tapped into it. So I just feel like they're taking a weird direction with it. So not to sidetrack us or anything like that, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the future. And I wonder if they're setting up to where 
Sony is just going to let Marvel Studios have Tom Holland in their MCU now as long as they get profits or whatever. And they don't have to collaborate oh, yeah. or something like that. So I, that's what it seems like it's it's leading up to. Yeah. So, so some of our listeners uh, least favorite comic book movies, mm-hmm. uh, the comic book teacher. Eternals, even though he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your, your friend, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Rossi, the justice league is actually the, he and uh, friendly neighborhood CT both said the justice league slash Snyder cut, which I watched and I thought was an improvement on the original, um, but was still, still terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I, it was definitely an improvement, but it was still, I left the movie thinking like, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. think it was. I mean, I know everyone's like saying, you know, you know, restore the Snyderverse and all that. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than what we have now, but I wouldn't like put all my stock into it and all my energy into it because it was just like, I, I think it still has quite a bit of ways to go with um, with what he released and everything. I mean, it's just like we said, it's definitely better still, but yeah. I, I I'd still love them to do justice to to Superman and do Superman the right way. But right. I, I get the feeling that like as time goes on, we're, we're further and further away from from that. Right. Uh, although Henry Cavill keeps saying that he wants to come back and, and play Superman again. Yeah. And I think he can, I, I definitely do. Yeah. I think it's just playing the cards right for it. So, so, uh, let's get your favorite non comic book movie, Sean. So my favorite non comic book movie this year is free guy. This is the only movie probably in a long time that I saw multiple times in the theaters. And I thought it was just a fantastic film. It's not going to be anything that wins like Oscars or anything like that, but it was just a nice fun movie that I felt like with the world that we're in with COVID and everything that we're battling, it was nice to kind of like immerse yourself in a world where you didn't have to worry about that because it's a movie based on a video game influence. So it definitely has a lot of connections to Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto and things like that. And, you know, I, I love playing Fortnite on PlayStation and, and I absolutely love um, playing that game. So my go-to games I always play whenever I feel like playing a video game. And I think Ryan Reynolds just did a great job of playing a character that is really loved, but is also a um, character that it has like an existential crisis and all the characters that they wrote in there, I think, just did a great job of supporting him, but also shining in their own way as well, too. So I so I really love that movie. It's one that I can't wait for it to come out on, I think, Disney Plus or Hulu in February. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I came home uh, last night after driving back from my in-laws for Christmas and watched it because I knew we would discuss it. And I had not had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah. So I, I rented it on Amazon and I watched it and I was thrilled. It was, there were some really great parts to it. Um, like Channing Tatum hasn't been in a lot of stuff lately. And like, right. I felt like getting his feet wet again with like that small <laughs> character that he played was oh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but like the whole, the way that he acted out on screen, the conversation that was happening with like his, his, his player yeah. and the mom, that was com- comic genius. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I, I loved that. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was a great film. It was a great film. Uh, my, I'm going to go a slightly different direction. Um, I, I gave serious consideration to Ghostbusters Afterlife, but I think also that was the nostalgia talking. Mm-hmm. So my actual favorite non-comic book movie of 2021 is uh, 007 No Time to Die. That is a good one. Yeah. And I walked out of the theater being completely blown away with uh, the story. Mm-hmm. And um, like what it meant for James Bond, what it meant for Daniel Craig and thinking not only was it one of the best James Bond movies that I'd ever seen, uh, it was one of the best movies that I'd ever seen. Right. Um, it's specifically the way that you feel about the characters and identify with the with the, the personal, the, the internal conflict and the external conflicts. The one caveat I will say, and I think we've had this conversation before the two of us, um, the villains motivations didn't seem <laughs> like they added up. Like it was the villain was like just right. a, a plot piece to, to move the story forward. Right. But I, I really, really, um, I really, really loved uh, that movie and, and, and everything that kind of like that, so speaking of, I've, I, I'm going to complain on this this podcast about how things <laughs> that were delayed should have been better, and that was another film that was delayed and delayed and delayed. And I would I would venture to guess that they probably were like, we know we're sitting on a gold mine here, right? And and it just kept they just wanted to wait till they had the the most opportunistic time to get it in front of the biggest audience, right? Um, but yeah, that was that was by far 
uh, my favorite non comic book movie. Yeah. Well, it, it, and I will say with the comment about, you know, things getting delayed, I, I think the production team, you know, even though it keeps getting delayed, I don't think it gave them like more time to do stuff necessarily because they still had a lot of protocols that they had to work with that actually extended things out a lot longer and made it more difficult to produce things. So even though they kept delaying things, they probably had to spend a lot more time making sure that they could film everything with the new protocols that they put in place to make sure that everyone had a safe working environment due to COVID. And so I, I think it's one of those things it's like, yeah, because they delayed it, you think they probably have more time to work on it. But when you take that into consideration, plus the schedules of everybody involved, I'm sure mm-hmm. that was just a logistic nightmare for the production assistant that had to figure out some of those things. So, right. yeah. And I'm not going to let them off that easy, Sean, because I know some of these movies were, were well into post when COVID hit. It's just. Right. Um, but. But I mean, there's some things you just can't. I mean, you can you re-edit and re-edit and re-edit. Like I tell Madden all the time that if they gave me um, like the editing bay and all the footage, I could make Green Lantern's 2011 movie more watchable <laughs> um, because I think it's an it's an editing problem, right? Uh, but but some sometimes you you can't fix that stuff. So right. Uh, some of our listeners' favorite. Uh, non-comic book movies. No surprise, Jacob Bartlett uh, <laughs> at Lion Hartley on Twitter uh, said Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right. Uh, the comic book teacher, Ronnell Whitaker, The Harder They Fall, which is a movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago on Netflix, uh, which is one of the things I've loved about 2021 is like the big movies that that they have been releasing like on Netflix and for HBO Max and things like that. But The Harder They Fall is a great Western. Um, and then uh, uh, your friend Kevin uh, Kevin Rossi said mm-hmm. red notice, which is another one, uh, a Netflix release that I watched with my family a few weeks back. And, uh, I like crime, crime movies, or at least stuff where movies are getting stolen. Stuff is getting stolen in the movie. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of one of those red notice is kind of one of those, like harkens back to like the, the eighties and nineties kind of like adventure, like globe trotting adventure or something, something of, of, of extreme value is getting stolen. And, and I, right. I, I dug it. I dug it too. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. It, it it wasn't like a um high quality film for me where I think you know this is a masterpiece, but it's a good one if you're just looking for something that is, you know, mindless watching that is just kind of fun and and um yeah, I would just say fun that you want to watch. This is definitely a good one for that. So All right. Your least favorite non-comic book movie. I'm curious to see if we have the same one here. I thought I was going to guess that yours was going to be Mortal Kombat. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. But mine mine is uh, Fast and Furious 9, right. really fast and extremely furious. Right. But if that wasn't it, though. What? What do you mean? Like, if that wasn't your least favorite. Oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat <laughs> was awful. See, and but- I think it's because I never saw Fast and Furious 9. That okay. Maybe that's why we end up with different ones because you can't rank something that you haven't watched. But mm-hmm. for me, the only thing that Mortal Kombat had it going for it was the nostalgia factor. If you had took that out, I feel like nobody would have thought this was a good movie. In fact, they would probably would be questioning if this was supposed to be like a satire kind <laughs> of action film. Like if they were introducing these characters a la Shang-Chi. Right. That you they would not have gotten the same reaction. Right. So it was one of those movies where, you know, the action was the action was okay. It wasn't it was a terrible action by any means, but it also wasn't like the greatest action you've seen as well too, but it had a lot of just one-liners that they just picked out from the video game and made it fit into the movie and I felt like it was kind of a cheap way to include those things and there was just a lot of things in the story that just didn't make sense at all like the biggest hang up I had with it was that Raiden was the one that's been training all these heroes and has been the leader for this combat competition and then at some point I forget who the new guy is that was created specifically for this movie but at some point when they all you know met up they were just like okay I think I think his name was like Cole. Yeah, it was Cole. They said, okay, Cole, like, you know, what should we do? And I was just like, why are they asking this new guy who just learned about this world 20 minutes ago what they should be <laughs> doing, you know? So I felt like there was just a lot of issues with it from a storytelling point of view. And, and, and I'll be honest, I think the only way that someone could really enjoy this movie was if they're a fan of the video game. But I will say this is that the best part of that movie, which I hope they do turn into a spinoff series or a movie later on, 
is the origin story of Scorpion and Sub-Zero mm-hmm. because that first 20 minutes was actually great. Right. And setting that whole thing up. And I thought we were going to see more of that. And then they just never really did. And then when you saw that towards the end, it was kind of a letdown. So I hope they end up taking that story and develop that a little bit more and create a movie off of that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can. The only thing that I thought was worse than um, Fast and the Furious, the movie was Fast and the Furious, the ride at Universal. Because <laughs> I also experienced that this year and it was it was awful. Yeah. Oh, no. We didn't they- we didn't really get any um, listener suggestions for least favorite uh non-comic book movie right apparently our um our listeners only they prefer comic book movies so (laughs) yeah but we can move on Uh, let's do our favorite and least favorite uh tv shows Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be honest with you let's i'm gonna start with least favorite okay okay Okay. um and i don't have one because i don't i don't have time to watch a lot of TV between like my work and family life. Right. So the TV I do watch, I'm heavily invested in and I can tell you which one is my favorite, but I don't have a least favorite because if I watched an episode of something that I was like, this is trash, I probably didn't watch any more of it. Right. Um, and so I don't have enough of information to base, base that on. Gotcha. Um, I will say that I was disappointed in like, I wanted to be able to watch what's the, the Netflix one, Jupiter's legacy. Mm, um, yeah. Jupiter's legacy is a, is a property based on Mark Millar's, uh, um, comic book. And it like, by the time I got around to being able to watch it, it had gotten such bad reviews and had been canceled. And whatnot. It's like, Oh man, I don't want to invest in this. If I know it's going to end right in eight episodes and not continue. So that was, that's probably the, what I would call back is the, like the most disappointing thing about 2021 mm-hmm. in terms of TV. But my favorite, uh, TV shows, I'm going to give special consideration to invincible, because I was not an invincible reader and I loved watching that show. Um, definitely had to watch it in like the wee hours of the morning or night when my kids weren't around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the one it, I just, it, it spoke a lot of volumes to me with like the evil dad and things like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, I got it, some of that saying that you are the, the evil, no, no, dad, I'm not the evil dad. I'm not the evil dad, but like, <laughs> like I also grew up in a situation where the dad that I had, was not who I thought he was. And so, right. Uh, it was, it, 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 it struck a chord, mm-hmm. but my favorite show of 2021 is only murders in the building, <laughs> which is a Hulu uh, show starring Steve Martin and Martin short and Selena Gomez. And it's a murder mystery, which mm-hmm. I don't think that we make enough good murder mysteries. <laughs> uh, but it was great. Um, I, you know, I, we've talked about this on this show. I hate, the serial nature of like the release date where you get one episode per week and you have to wait to find out what happens in the next episode. Yeah. I would prefer to binge watch something. Um, I don't particularly love cliffhangers, although a lot of times Marvel does Marvel does a really good job with like teasing it just enough to keep your, your interest peaked. But mm-hmm. only murders in the building did a great job of like solving this really classic whodunit murder mystery in season one at the very end of it, like left it left like the, like a big cliffhanger, like there was somebody else murdered and, and all three of the main characters were implicated in it. So right. like going forward, you have to, you have to come back to see what happened to them. And I was really excited a few weeks ago. I saw that it had been season two had been greenlit and they had already started filming. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely on board with only murders in the building. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a great show. And I remember watching it with Sarah and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, she's the same way. She wants to be able to watch it all in one sitting. I'm okay with um, it coming out week by week. And and I get it because from a marketing standpoint, you get a lot more buzz that way as opposed to dropping it all at once. Um, But I'm somebody I I like to watch it and then I like to talk to other people about it and everything. So um, so I just for me, it's I I like how long we could talk about something when that gets dropped. But yeah, I absolutely love that show. It didn't make my list, um, but I love that show. And I thought it was a great show overall. And I agree with you on that. Um, I'll start with my least favorite TV show this year. And there's only one that really came up with. And I will say it's only because this is the only one I could really say it's probably not my favorite. I would probably give it another shot because I only watched the first two episodes because of my review I had to do for Comic Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Young Justice Season 4 
is one that after I watched the first two episodes, I was just like, eh, it, it didn't really appeal to me. And it's an animated show, which, you know, I, I, I watch animated shows from time to time and everything. And, and I know that's a kind of a different genre than when you're looking at only murders in the building and even something like Ted Lasso and things like that. Um, but when I watch it, I just felt like there was some things that didn't really make any sense or I thought it was kind of interesting, the approach and style they were taking with it. It was just one that didn't really resonate for me. I didn't think it was terrible for people who might like those characters or stories necessarily, but somebody that hasn't watched the other seasons and hadn't really kept up with who these characters are necessarily just going straight into it. I was just like, I, I, it didn't appeal to me. So, you know, earlier in the podcast, when we talked about like when this podcast would end, mm-hmm. this might be the moment. Why? Cause I love young justice. <laughs> No, okay. I haven't watched. I haven't watched season four. I'll give you a pass on that, and, and, and it makes me it makes me hesitant. But like, I also started watching season three again uh-huh. this year because it had been, you know, like it went like ten years between season two and season three, mm-hmm. and I've just been I've had a backlog of stuff that I needed to watch, and I started watching season three, and I I loved it. Right. Uh, but I think you got to give it a chance, Sean. You got to let it grow <laughs> on you. Go back and watch the first season. It's great television. There, there's so much stuff out there. It's like if there you is. capture you my can't. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I, I was talking to like Madden started watching some of the, the daredevil on Netflix. Actually, he's watched mm-hmm. the first two seasons in the last week since, since he saw Spider-Man homecoming and, and Charlie Cox makes a brief like um, cameo and I'm sorry. And far notes. Dang. What, what are we talking about? Uh, no, <laughs> Helm. right. Uh, but anyway, he's been, he's been binging daredevil on, on Netflix uh, because of it. And he was like, have you watched this? Have you watched this? And then I was like, well, stop when you get to season three. Cause I haven't watched season three. There's so much stuff to do and so many things to watch. That I never watched season three. So right. I'll go back and watch that with him. Yeah. Well, you can let him know if he wants to talk about it. I've seen all the, all the shows and everything. So I'm more happy to talk about it with him <laughs> if he wants. Okay. So uh, my favorite TV show this year which I'm going to start with a runner up as one that really surprised me and made me become very interested in a particular genre. And then I'll share what my actual favorite TV show was of this year. But Star Wars Visions, have you watched that at all? I have not had a chance to watch any of the Star Wars Visions. So for those of you who are not familiar with Star Wars Visions, it is a show that Disney put out that is anime based and it's not a series where they're all in the same continuity necessarily, but they picked, I think like eight uh, Japanese animation studios to create just a single standalone episode and they put it all together as a season. But again, the episodes don't, uh, don't really live in the same continuity. It was just like more of a chance for, a particular studio to tell an interesting new story uh, that lives in the Star Wars universe. And I've never been somebody that grew up or even until recently enjoyed anime. Every time I watch anime, I thought it was just kind of odd and, and it just never really captured my interest or I just thought it was like uninteresting. And I just never really, I never really got into the animation style overall. Mm Mm-hmm. But watching this season of Star Wars Visions actually made me interested in going out and looking at other anime shows because it was fantastic. And just in terms of looking at the animation style, the stories that they tell, I think it was really interesting because what they did was they didn't really retell the same stories of like, you know, Luke Skywalker and, and Rey and, and Darth Vader or any of those. These are all like brand new characters, but you could tell they live in the same sort of universe as Star Wars with some of the characters because they still talk about like the Jedi the right and the red lightsaber things like that so you get these new characters that are just fantastic that I think that's what they really need to do with the Star Wars universe I think everybody is wanting to get a little bit more of Star Wars but want to get away from the classic Luke Skywalker saga and just explore new stories like what they did with the Mandalorian and I think Star Wars Risen did a fantastic job of doing that so so that is a show I highly recommend but my favorite TV show that I don't think is, comes to anyone's surprise is Hawkeye that came out from Marvel Studios that just finished up at the end of December and I absolutely loved it because I thought Haley Steinfeld did a great job as Kate Bishop. I love the fact that they introduced Echo, who is a deaf character and Native American character, which they didn't really explore that 
in the show. But uh, I love that part about her character. And the actress that they hired to play that role um, is also deaf, is also Native American, but she also is an amputee because, as you can see in the show, um, she's missing part of her right leg. And instead of like covering that up, they just wrote that as part of her character in the show. And I absolutely love that. And the fact that this show was based on the Matt Fraction, David Aha, Matt Hollingsworth run of the same name was just fantastic because I felt like I was watching a lot of the things that you read about in the comic book, but they converted it to making it fit in the MCU. And then of course we got introduced to a bunch of new characters and I love the fact that they were able to look at and explore Clint's history of dealing with, you know, survivor's guilt and mm-hmm. just a lot of other psychological issues. And the fact that we got to see representation with uh, disabilities, especially with the deaf and hard of hearing and them using American sign language, things like that. Because as you know, I'm hard of hearing and I grew up with hearing aids. So it was great to see somebody on the show who is prominent, like Clint Barton, to have a hearing aid. And the audio mixing team did a great job of replicating what it sounded like when you put a hearing aid on and off, because that's exactly how it sounded like when I was a kid, whenever I was taking it off or on. So, so I absolutely love that show. Can't say enough about it. And it's definitely one of my favorites of, of all time and not just 2021. Yeah. You can go to um, the caption life's Twitter feed or, or TikTok or Sean's Twitter feed and do one of those videos. Tell me you're a Hawkeye stand without telling me you're a Hawkeye stand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I loved the show. Um, I don't know if it was my favorite Marvel show of the year, but I definitely loved it. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I sitting with a sour taste in my mouth because of that terrible post credit scene. But I will say that the, <laughs> I know the one thing I loved about the way they told the story in, in six episodes, right? Yes. Um, number one, I wish it was a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll die on that hill. Um, <laughs> but number two is that when they introduced Jack's character, I don't know Jack's last name. Uh, Duquesne. The, Duquesne, Jack Duquesne, right. a swordsman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, he was creepy and you were almost certain <laughs> that he was guilty. Like this dude is up to something. And then they totally, they totally flipped the script and redeemed him at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved, I loved that, that what you were seeing wasn't, like it wasn't, it was perspective like this, what they, you, they presented something to you and you bought it. Right. And then they were like, yeah, we, but we control the narrative. And so I, I love that part about, it. I love that storytelling aspect of it. Right. Yeah. For me, I, I never really thought Jack was, um, really going to be the villain because it was just too obvious from the beginning. And so knowing Marvel and like to do like the whole situation, I was just like, I, I don't think he's going to be that person. But I did kept speculating, like maybe he was a second Ronin that Clint was in cahoots with, and he was the one that actually took out the Traction Mafia or something like that. But um, I know this is probably the biggest twist that they made um, in terms of change of what we saw from the comics to mm-hmm. the series. But I think they did a great job of introducing Jack this way because now everybody loves Jack Duquesne and thinks that he's a sweet guy. But up until episode six, you weren't quite sure mm-hmm. what to make of him or his role in that whole thing. And so you didn't want to love him quite yet. But now that you know what happens, you go back and you're just like, oh, that's so cute that he gets all these idioms wrong and everything. So, yeah. Okay, um, our listeners' favorite TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, they didn't have any least favorites, but our listeners' favorite. Oh no, there are some. Least no, there are some. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the MSY librarian was a big fan of Wandavision, which I think Wandavision and Loki neck and neck for my favorite, um, my favorite Marvel show of the year, uh, just because they were so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the Falcon Winter Soldier for the MSY librarian. Jacob Bartlett at Lion Hartley uh, also voted for Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. The comic book teacher uh, also Hawk, but he spelt it, it. Did you do that or? No, no, he did. He said Hawk guy. And I know okay. why he did that. Because in the comics, Grills, which is a character in the comics as well, called him Hawk guy all the time. So that's why he put okay. Hawk Guy. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of people saying Hawk Guy, and it's a call out to the comics, but they never really call him that in the show. So, but yeah, he's talking about Hawk Guy. Yeah. My daughter couldn't say Hawk Guy when she was little, so she called him Hot Guy. Yeah. Well, you so. know what's funny is on TikTok, whenever I say Hawk Guy, they mm-hmm. think I'm saying Hot Guy. And so that's what comes <laughs> up with caption. It's like, I'm going to talk about Hot Guy all the yeah, time. Yeah, you are talking about Hot Guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Kevy Rossi, uh, Midnight Mass, which I do believe is a is a horror show on Netflix. Netflix, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about it. So it's one of those shows I, I need to watch at some point. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I saw some trailers for it. I'm out on it. It's too scary for me. I'm <laughs> uh, and Friendly Neighborhood CT uh, said that Wandavision was their favorite. Yep. Uh, and then uh, least favorite, uh, Kevin also said that you season three was his least favorite of the. Of the year and friendly mm-hmm. neighborhood CT. I'll, I'll jump in and say this because okay. I, I abbreviated this. So, um, so friendly neighborhood CT said so far the new season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been a bit of a letdown. So, which I, I haven't watched that in a while. So, <laughs> I would have had to buy a vowel to get that abbreviation. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I'm glad you jumped back in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, we started this. We started this podcast three years ago to talk about comics and stuff. So let's talk about comics. Mm-hmm. Our favorite and least favorite comics and graphic novels of the year. Mm-hmm. And I will start mine off with an admission that I uh, read less and less superhero comics. It seems like every year, although I did read some this year. Mm-hmm. And then I also like to wait for the trades. So right. uh, because because of my my issues with having to wait for the story to develop, I want it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got the chance to catch up on a couple of things here recently. One of the things that made my, uh, top list was, uh, chariot by Brian Edward Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, it was a great story. Uh, some of the ones like the indie ones in my top, my top one is also a, a, a smaller publisher indie one. I always wish they had more, more issues to like develop the, the characters and, and let, let there be a strong arc. But some of these guys, they really know how to tell a story in, in four or five or six uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite was, and we got to talk to him on this show about it, uh, was scouts honor by David Peppos. Yes. And, uh, it was, I actually reread it about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the twist at the very beginning, like I, you know, I told David when we met, when we met him, like the twist in the middle of it, like I didn't see it coming, I guess maybe I should have, but I didn't see it coming <laughs> in my, like I got up and walked away from the computer <laughs> when I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And then, and then you, and I sat back down and I was like, Oh wait, there's more to, there's more to issue one. And then there was another huge twist in it. Right. And I was hooked. Uh, that's probably one of the best like issue ones I've ever read, mm-hmm. but also how he told that story in five issues. It was very cinematic. It was very, um, it was very high drama with like both like, uh, external conflict and internal conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, just everything about the setting and the way that the story unfolds and how it, how it ends up was, was excellent. So prop, right. props to, um, to David and his, uh, his team that put that comic together. That it was one of my favorite. It was my favorite for the year. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great one. And, and unfortunately I didn't put it on my list, but it was definitely high on there. Cause I thought, um, it was a great series as well too. And, and I loved having David on the show and talk to him about that. So I, I agree with that. Um, for me personally, it's more, uh, nostalgic than anything else, but I'll also say that this is something that just got me really excited about comics. Not that I wasn't excited before, but it just has a special place for me for this year. Um, and, and it's a tie. The first one is The Last Ronin, which is a story that is about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that's set in the somewhat distant future that's a little bit more apocalyptic. And I got to say, this is actually the first issue of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic that I've read. I grew up with the Ninja Turtles my whole life. I mean, it was created when I was born and I've watched all the uh, TV shows, the movies, and played the video games and things like that. But I never actually read a Ninja Turtle comic until this past year when I heard about The Last Ronin. And I just thought that the story and the artwork was just fantastic. And so that's been one of my favorite. And then the other one that's tied with it is another nostalgic one. It's the Batman 89 series because it tells the story of Michael Keaton's Batman between Batman and Batman Returns, I believe. And it's, so it's really cool to see that story unfold. 
they you get to see characters that were supposed to exist in Batman Returns but got cut for one reason or another. So you got to see Billy D. Williams return as Harvey Dent and Two Face, and you got to see Marlon Wayans come back and take on the Robin mantle because he was supposed to do that, but they cut his character from the show or from the movie. So, um, so I really love being able to read these comics and kind of see that story unfold um, as though, like you know, this is something that may have or exists in that world and be able to kind of relive my childhood that way. So, all right. Yeah. Um, some of our listeners favorites, uh, mm-hmm. the MSY librarian from Twitter said the ink blot by Emma Kubert, uh, was her top pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to have to check that out because I follow Emma on Instagram and she's the daughter of Andy Kubert. One of like, you know, oh, com- yeah. com- comic royalty yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Jacob Bartlett, that line Hartley said the last run and he agreed with you. Yep. Uh, and that's one that that's one that I'm super excited about getting to buy the book as a whole <laughs> and yeah. reading it all at once. Yeah. When it comes out. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the comic book teacher, Ronnell Whitaker says that uh, time before time mm-hmm. was his top favorite. Uh, Kevin Rossi, uh, the worst dudes, which I'm intrigued on that title alone. I'm yeah. going to check that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one that I have started reading, uh, Friendly Neighborhood, uh, CT, Star Wars, War of the Bounty Hunters. I have that on my iPad to read digitally. Uh, and I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep diving into that because I don't do a lot of Star Wars stuff yeah. outside of the movies. So I was like, I'm going to give myself a chance. Yeah. I, to I had to check, check that out. out. Yeah, I had to check that out as well, too, because I've read a couple Star Wars comics, but I haven't read them lately just because I have a whole stack of comics I still need to get through. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to put this on my list and, and read them. So, yeah. Uh, and I will say that probably um, I have, a, th- I have a, a running theory that as we progress forward in the future, the better Star Wars distance itself from lightsabers and the Skywalkers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, uh, like, you know, Mandalorian is is been excellent and I'm excited right. about Boba Fett. Uh, but this is this is right up those. This is right up those uh, that that alley. Right. Uh, our least favorite comics and graphic or graphic novels. Sean, go ahead and tell us yours first. Well, I'm going to be honest. I really had a hard time coming up with one. So I don't actually have one. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just everything I've read this year, I felt like was just fantastic in that there wasn't really one that I thought was just terrible one i was just like i wish i'd never read that one before so i just i i don't have one for this episode unfortunately (laughs) okay well i'll tell you about mine and it's not that it's it was the worst thing um it's just my least favorite um and that is uh it was strange adventures uh Mm -hmm. by tom king and uh mitch drads and oh my goodness uh, there was one it's really interesting the way that they tell the story it's two different illustrators right telling like the flashbacks and like the present time. Um, but the story, the buildup, it's a, it's a classic kind of like, you know, like the truth is out there and, and Mr. Terrific is unfolding this, this mystery of, you know, like the truth behind Adam Strange's you know, tales of a far off planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it builds and builds and builds. And then instead of going pop, it like somebody took the cap off of the, um, like the balloon and it goes, because <laughs> um, the ending was just kind of like deflating. Um, right. I, I texted you this the other day that I, I love Tom King as a storyteller. Some of the, my favorite things over the last like five, 10 years have been things that he's written. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows how to tell a great story. I'm just the last two years. I, I kind of feel like he is struggling to, to end them. Right. Um, and I compare all all things with a terrible ending will forever from henceforth be compared to season of, uh, seven of Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of the way that it seems like it is. And I don't know if it's if it's a editorial thing or if it's like the, the publisher issue, but mm-hmm. it seems like they've got a really great story going. And all of a sudden somebody says, OK, you got to wrap it up. And right. it, it's it ends too soon. There's like there's a lot of plot development at the beginning and not enough payoff at the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that happens in not just comics, but movies and shows as well, too. And mm-hmm. not not necessarily movies, but a lot of shows. Because I feel like there's a lot of shows I've watched where 
You know, it's a lot of great buildup, a lot of great buildup. And then when you get to the final episode, it just seems like everything was just kind of dumped into it just to end mm-hmm. it. And you're just like, yeah, that's kind of a something that was just kind of like what you said, just a little bit of a letdown because you're expecting a little bit more with it. And it was just like, let's just get this done and over with. So, so our listeners least favorite comic or graphic novel that they shared with us uh, on Instagram, Kevy Rossi said checkmate by Bendis, which I have actually, I think I've heard of maybe from him, um, but I don't know much about it. So that's something that I'll probably have to look at a review and see what it's all about and where it might be struggling. And then our friend Friendly Neighborhood CT said, I don't know anything Comicscape probably blows, which, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll yeah, agree with we'll, that. <laughs> we'll have to get we'll have to circle around to uh, eventually to like how we feel about um, Comicsgate and, mm-hmm. and things. What, some of the specifics that that are hot discussion points in, in that realm, but. Right. I, I would agree. Um, I, I would say that uh, for me, I'm most of that stuff's not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it just comes on my radar because somebody uh, posted something or um, retreated something that, you know, that just calls to attention to it. But I mean, that's it's probably maybe mm-hmm. once a month or something like that. And, and it's just it's it, I'll say this. It's fascinating to see how once you think that you've kind of walked away from a problem that we've had in our country, it seems like it's coming back in full steam. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, but that's the reality that we're in. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do our favorite WTF moments. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do mine. I mentioned this in a, in a previous episode of the podcast Mm -hmm. when we reviewed, um, Eternals, Mm -hmm. I, mentioned something at the, at the, about the end of the movie. And I'm going to call back to that, uh, (laughs) right now because, um, my WTF kind of, to me means like, to me, like, what were they thinking? Right. Like, and and I'm just going to bring up Pip the troll on, um, from the Eternals at the, in the post credit scene, because Mm -hmm. once again, that movie was one that was supposed to come out a year previous. So it sat in post for like a long time. Right. And the CGI for Pip the Troll is awful. <laughs> and I was I'm, I sat there in the theater, like after waiting, you know, 27 minutes for the credits to roll, like really having to pee and seeing Pip the Troll come out. I'm thinking this Marvel has no business like putting out something that terrible after right. like after they've had such a long time to like polish it and make it better. And um, I felt strongly about it. I mean, it almost got dethroned by the Rogers musical post credit scene on Hawkeye. <laughs> and I'm not bitter about it or anything. <laughs> but like to that me, that should like, have been oh, an extra, really. I mean, what that, it should have been in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got five months for us to wait until something new. And they gave us they gave us that. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. not cool. Marvel. Right. I, I think for me, when when we were talking about this, it's more of like something that happened that just really dumbfounded or confused you. Mm-hmm. And for me specifically, it was this TikTok trend called Bones or No Bones Day. Did you hear about this? Oh no, we do bones, no bones at, at my house. Like Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. It's a thing here. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> You know, like it's it's just I, I just don't get it. I don't know if it's just because I'm not young and and hip anymore or whatever, but it was just like I, I don't know why it became popular or for any reason whatsoever, yeah. but it's just so, like, why do we need to have somebody to recreate Groundhog's Day every day, basically, exactly, and tell us, like, you know, take a risk or treat yourself? We, it's more of like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you need that sort of thing, you know? So my, so. my wife is the first person that found it on, on TikTok and uh-huh. then started talking about it. And then we stopped worrying about like the dog, whether or not it was a bones, no bones day for the right. dog on TikTok. And it just became something that we did with our daughter. And <laughs> like we would get her out of bed and if she would like get up and like, you know, start getting ready without like a lot of like prompting and, and encouragement, we would know that it was a bones day. But right. some days some days she would just get out of bed and be like, Oh, it's a no bones day, Daddy. <laughs> so no, we, we had that around here. Yeah. It's just it's I I just didn't I, I just never caught on and just never really realized 
like why is this a thing that's so popular I don't know. I feel like there's probably something in our childhood, like maybe the Furby or something like that, where it's like was so popular and our parents were probably like, why the heck is this such a popular thing that people love? Yeah, And this it. is one of those things is like, why? But for me, it's just like, why do we need something like this for you to kind of figure out like what to do today? And I'm just, and part of me is just like, is somebody going to go take a risk just literally because this dog had a bones day? And then when that risk goes south, they're just blaming it on a bones day that, you know, I should have done this at all. So I shouldn't have come to work today. It was a no bones day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, it's just one that really flabbergasted me. And I will say as, as quickly as it caught on, it seemed like it just dissipated just as quickly. Yeah, it did. It <laughs> so, did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the year in review is finished. We've talked about our, our favorite comic books, our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows. Uh, and now we got to talk about what we're most looking forward to in 2022. Mm -hmm. And it's always been, always been my thing that I don't want to fall into the, um, <laughs> into the realm of speculation. I don't want to say, Oh, I think they're going to do this because especially when it comes to things in the MCU, you think, you know, until they, until they tell you what they've really been doing. And then it's, it's it was either not what you expected or better than you expected. Right. Um, but what you're looking forward to in 2022 going forward. I have one themed one, but it's, it's kind of broad. Okay. And it's not about the MCU or anything um, like movies. It's actually about TV because mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the return of some shows that, that we missed out on in 2021 because of timing and uh, COVID and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's been almost three years since we've had stranger things. That's true. Yes. And that seems crazy by the time, by the time in 2022 hits, it'll have almost been three years. Right. And those kids would be, look a lot different yeah. now than when that I'm show comes out. I'm interested to see, see what they're going to do with that. Uh, and then the two other ones that I'm really excited about because they missed out on this year were, uh, the boys, mm -hmm. um, which I've, I've, the boys is such a shocking show to watch <laughs> when I close my eyes. I feel like it was like just yesterday, but it, like the last episodes we watched were in like August or September of 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's been well over a year. And then the one show that my wife and I love to watch together uh, that hasn't been around in 2021 is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I love one. watching that too. Yeah. It's, it's um, a really good one. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the character, not the actress who plays her, just the character mm -hmm. is like one of my like top, like pop culture crushes. It's her and rogue <laughs> from the X-Men nineties rogue from the X-Men and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> I, I, I like nice. my ladies with a little nostalgia. Uh, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, and it's a great show because it's written by the same person who wrote the Gilmore girls. And so it has that same wittiness to it. Mm -hmm. And so that was a show that, uh, Sarah and I grew up watching is Gilmore girls. And I liked it. I thought Gilmore girls was a great show as well too. And so this has some of that style into it. And so I really liked it. So for me, I'll, I'll say this, like with, with everything that's been going on, it's hard for me to look forward to 2022 because of Omicron and what this might mean. Going forward, because I think we're all thinking we're getting out of it. And then with this new strand that supposedly is going to be worse in terms of um, spreading and uh, what's the word? Contagious, basically. Mm -hmm. I'm just worried that we're going to have another repeat of what happened in 2020. But with that being said, let's say, you know, things do kind of settle or, um, you know, it's not as bad as we think it is for whatever reason. I am very excited about a lot of things that are coming out this year, um, mostly with movies and some comics. So the movies like the Batman, when I first heard about Robert Pattinson playing the Batman, I was not interested at all until that trailer came out last year. And then I've been super excited about it. So we're going to be watching it in like less than two months because it's coming out March 4th. So I'm very excited to watch that. And then, we also got confirmation that Spider-Man Cross the Spider-Verse is coming out this year as well, too. And that's not going to be until November. So I'm really excited about that. In The Flash, we're supposed to see Michael Keaton don the Bruce Wayne Batman mantle again as well. So I'm really excited for all those movies. And I really hope that um, if things do continue to kind of stay at bay and that we can still have some of these events, it'd be nice to go back to comic cons. Cause I feel like, you know, we were just getting back into a rhythm of we can participate in them safely. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but hopefully, 
you know, we can do that. Um, and then comics wise, I'm really excited to see um, the Daredevil series that's coming out from Chip Zdarsky called um, The Devil's Reign, which looks really good. And the Wastelander series, which have you watched or um, listened to the podcast series of the Marvel Wastelanders? No, I have not. I'm they're aware re- of it. Yeah, they're really good. They have one of Star-Lord and they have one of Hawkeye. And then they're coming out with one of Black Widow. And Susan Sarandon, I think, is supposed to play the voice of Natasha Romanoff. And they're all very good. They're, they're fantastic. And it's just like the Wolverine uh, audio drama that they create as well, too. And they're coming out with a comic series that I think is supposed to be in the same universe or takes place after those podcast series. Um, and so if you, I think they're writing it so that if you didn't listen to it, you'll still be fine. But if you do listen to it, it's like that much more. So okay. I'm really excited to uh, read about the Hawkeye Wastelanders issues that's coming out this year. So very cool. Yeah. And then our listener responses, we got one friendly neighborhood CT who said he is looking forward to making comics, making friends, and enjoying life. And I think we can agree with that 100%. Yeah, man. That's a great way to, <laughs> that's a great way to propel ourselves to uh, a fine ending to this year in review wrap-up. Yeah. Um, we, we actually wish for you all those things, our listeners, that you know that 2022 brings you everything uh, that you hope for. Uh, you know, in professionally and pop culturally. Uh, and we will be right here with you every two weeks on the 1st and 15th to mm-hmm. uh, to share what's going on with us. Uh, and that's going to wrap up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to us on. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your posts. For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit thecaptionlife.com. Until next time, Happy New Year. See you in 2022.